he's never seen me fight live. He, he his news in school on uh, Monday is going to be. I flew to Boston and watched my dad fight in the UFC. Are you going to split your bonus with him if you get it? No, definitely. But he says he's going to split. Um, he's sign of business. He's already. Yeah, Paul's really nice like that. You know, he doesn't need the money. In fair, he just jacked up him walking on. The chap's loud. dream is to be world champion, world lightweight champion in the UFC, have more money than I know what to do with, and have a great life for my, my kids, my grandkids, everyone in my, in my family, everyone that's, that's come up with me. That's my dream. Episode 66 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Sean Sheehan's blushes have been spared as he was just singing James Vincent McMorrow's Higher Love, and I thought I was just about to sneak the recording in of him doing it, but he cut himself off. He knew I must have been recording the podcast. Sean. Welcome to the show. Bring me the higher love. The many more words. But yeah, well, that's a good song. No, it is. Well, I suppose we should... Introductions. Andrew McGann here, joined as always by my beautiful co-host, Limerick's favourite son, Sean Sheehan. Off the back of episode 65, we need to just take a moment to say, holla, thank you, appreciated. One of the most listened episodes in Severe MMA podcast history went down last week and it touched Sean Sheehan to the bottom of his cold, bitter heart. He just wanted to say a word or two about it. Thank you very much. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so listeners. much. You're, you're dead on. Very nice people. Some of, the, some of the best people I've ever not met in my life. But have interacted with. <laughs> but I've interacted with through my voice and your ears. Excellent. Well... If you're wondering why James Vincent McMorrow Higher Love was the topic that opened the podcast, we were uh, we were chilling beans just here on Skype beforehand, having a donut, having a glass of diluted, just chatting before we record the podcast as we do, and um, we were talking about cover songs, and James Vincent McMorrow covered that song Higher Love, which was actually a cracking song in itself from Steve Steve Weinman, I think it was in the end. Yeah, Let me check the link, and then we found out he had been plagiarized again. Through one of the greatest music videos of all time. That's just the way it is. No, that's another one. Things will never be the same. No, Eric Prids, Call On Me. Oh, yeah. That song, his song, Valerie. It was just ribs. It was sampled as well. Anyway, enough about plagiarizing music because um, as a message just popped up on my screen here, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Sheen is having a bit of an issue in Limerick. He's been currently terrorized in his room by a moth. Sean, are you still there? I'm, I'm still alive. Is he still Thank there? You. Yeah, I don't know where he went. He kind of disappeared there, but he's flying around somewhere. He's just in wait, in waiting, yeah. lying in it's, wait. It's my, it's this crap laptop. I, I open it once a week and moths fucking fly out of it. That's what happens. <laughs> but I, you'll be glad to know that there's a new laptop on the way, and it'll be here for next week's podcast. Oh, excellent! Windows Ten, I assume. Yeah, it is Windows Ten actually, but oh. it's Windows Ten on a new machine, so it won't be crap. Um, and you know, you know where I got, you know where I got the money to to facilitate buying that new laptop. I know where you did, but my way of introducing them is better because I was <laughs> going to say, how are moths attracted to you, Sean, in your bedroom? And you were going to say something like, I don't know, maybe the light wasn't the light just went on, so they flew towards it. And I was going to say, well, if you want to attract real life moths to you, then you need to hit the gym and bulk up. You know, mm, we know yeah. just the people to help you do that. Or Andrew. Our sponsors, great friends of the show, our sponsors of the podcast, ROS Sports Nutrition. Um, very, very, a bunch of sound lads. They are Irish, couple of lads in there, and they've got a whole range of products over on their website, orsnutrition.com. They are absolutely perfect. If you're an athlete, if you're a GEA player, a cyclist, a martial artist, 
um, kickboxer, boxer, anything you name on their website, they've got the supplement breakdowns that you need. They've got all the different proteins. They've got plant-based proteins. They've got whey-based proteins. Very good pre-workouts. Very good recovery drinks as well. Um, and it's all organized by your sport. Even if you're just heading to the gym, if you're looking for the mats, as I said, if you're looking for your I Beat the Bud 2016, well then, you can just uh, search by that as well. If you want to tone up, if you want to lose a bit of weight, if you want to gain a bit of muscle, you can uh, search through that as well. Sean, I know it sounds too good to be true. Yeah, listen here, you know you're talking about toning up there, about sports and everything. If you saw on, on uh, over on Twitter last week, my friend JJ Murphy, he he uh, sampled some of the Ross Nutrition products. He signed on, got his twenty five percent off his first starter using the promo code Severe May for his wedding next year. He's bulking up, getting fucking lifting Lean. heavy weights, deadlifting, fucking lifting. I don't know what else you do when you're lifting, but he <laughs> does loads of that anyway. And fucking strong cunt. <laughs> And he used the Ross Nutrition to do that, so he's going to report back in a couple of weeks and tell me exactly how good it is, and so we'll, we'll let you know. Well, a bit of breaking news as well on that front, because from next week, I've been asked to sample a couple of their products as well. I'm being, given, I'm being, I'm being spoon-fed one product a week, and I'll tell you how good it is next week. I don't know what I'm getting this week, but look, um, if it's a good pre-workout that makes me feel that I just can't stop... A week before the British Open, then that is good enough for me, most definitely. Nice. Uh, to finish off, promo code, as Sean said, Severe MMA, 25% off your first order over at orosnutrition.com. Um, and that's it. We'll give them another shout out later on in the show. Sean, how are you? This week, oh. UFC Rotterdam, Andrew McGahan going on holidays once again with big Dave Fogarty. Deadly. We're gonna have good crack outside there in Amsterdam. We were what? talking before. We were talking before there about the the hour of power. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah. No. What is the hour of power? The hour of power. People, everyone probably knows this, but Andrew, as a as a novice drinker or not a drinker at all, I wouldn't know. The hour. This is the, the hour. I was of power drinking this, this weekend. Were you? Uh, Alcohol. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say drinking, drinking, but I um I had to learn how to make cocktails this weekend for being yeah. down in the cocktail bar. So I have to taste every cocktail Sweet. that I make just to make sure. Gateway, gateway, that is. <laughs> gateway drug. <laughs> Tasting cocktails to uh, drinking them. And that's... Next, uh, next you'll be drinking bottles of vodka. No, no, no. Like, literally, if I had paid like six something or whatever it was for those cocktails or eight something, I'd have handed them back. Like, Not that they were, not that I made them incorrectly. They were like, drink is rotten. Like, cocktails. No, it's not. Drink is yeah, delicious. Yeah, No, it oh, is not. Beautiful. Beautiful. But anyway, the hour of power is... You get a shot glass, right? You get beer. And every minute for an hour, you drink a shot of beer. That'd now, be that handy. That doesn't... Yeah, oh, you think it'd be handy. But when you come to like 15 minutes and you've like a can and a half gone, then you're, you know, you, know, you could be starting struggling. Like after you come to 30 minutes, not, you know, it's not getting very easy. After, after the hour, you'd be well on it at that stage. Like. And how many cans would it take to do that in an hour? You, I think it's about, you drink about seven cans in an hour. Really? I wouldn't way, have yeah? thought that now. Yeah, it's it's a good way of doing it. Like if you're going out, say in college now it was great because like we maybe had college all day. We only like an hour to pre-drink before we went out to the nightclub or whatever. Do the hour of power, get well on it before you go out. Pranks like? Yeah. What was your favourite Pranks playlist? Prinks? What the yeah, fuck? Free drinks. Oh, free drinks. <laughs> uh, well, you know, me now, we were all fucking the killers. Bit of, bit of dubstep as well thrown in there, you know. Bit of 
bit of old, a bit of Luke Kelly, you know, a bit of traditional Irish, a bit of anything like there was a smorgasbord of music thrown in there with, with, with my uh, my clique. So there you Ain't go. nobody fucking with my clique. No, clique. nobody. That's on. Well, but what about the best clique in fucking sports today? Yo. Leicester. What about Leicester? Legends. Ah, uh, here it was unbelievable, unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I literally still can't believe it. More importantly, right? How yeah. like. I just want to know what happened in Jamie Vardy's house last night. I'd say that untold, would be I'd mental. Say. Untold. Jamie Vardy really was having a party. Yeah, I like. What about I'd be Ariel putting... supporting Leicester as well? That's probably one of my funniest. That's probably one of my favorite on-running jokes now for quite a while. What do you mean jokes? That man <laughs> has been supporting Leicester for his whole life. Die-hard Leicester support. I remember back in the day when, I, when myself and Ariel first started talking about f- seven or eight years ago. Like we used to always be talking about Leicester. Like he used to be Muzzy is it? Like he used to love Muzzy is it back in the Muzzy, day. You know, it? he was a you know he was a huge Gary Lineker fan back in the day. La- I remember last year he's uh, wasn't that UFCW who was going around in his Esteban Cambiasso top last year. Oh, he, like a huge fan of Leicester City. Ariel was like, he has been for for ages. Funny story about Muzzy is it actually. I remember the nightclub uh, that I work in a while ago. We had like this the most pointless meet and greet in the world had been organized. Like, not even a Z lister celebrity, but was he? Is it? No, I was talking to my manager, my manager about it at the time, and I was was like, "This is like you'd be better off looking for someone like fucking Teddy Sheringham or Muzzy Is it to come do a meet and greet? You'd get more people than these lads." Who was it? I don't know. It was like someone off Geordie Shore or Jersey Shore yeah. or something like that. It was really bad. I have a I have another Leicester City related story for you as well. Go on. Do you know that I supported them when I was younger for a week? Did you? Yeah. Only for a week. Yeah. And um, back like so I w- I got in I think I've spoke the story before. I did uh, start supporting Arsenal for one reason and it was because of Freddie Umberg. Yeah. Um that what spanned the greatest Twitter name of all time, Yumberg underscore eight from back in the day do you remember me with that username of course I did you, you haven't you only got rid of it like 18 months ago or something did you <laughs> was it I don't yeah. know I don't think it was you that kept far. it for yeah, ages no I still did. I still have it I, st- yeah. I registered it again as an account in case someone tried to take it on me Um, and at, by the way at Andrew McGann I am coming for you on Twitter right there's gonna be we're gonna have serious wars now in the next couple of weeks over that username but um, yeah I can remember watching some highlights from back in the day, I think it was 2000. Was that when Emil Heskey was still playing for them? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah and Heskey, Neil Lennon, yeah. Heskey scored a great goal that week. And I was thinking, like, I was trying to decide what team I'd like to support. Like, I was just thinking, like, because I wasn't that big into football. Like, yeah. um, and I was thinking, yeah, maybe Leicester. And I wish I had of now, you know, stuck at it, you know, and then mm-hmm. re- reaped the glory 16 years later. But no, instead, uh, captivated by Freddie Umberg's red hair instead. And that oh. was it. Yeah, what a man for the Umberg was. But what about uh, like Leicester? I mean, Kante. Kante might be one of my favorite players ever. He's on me. He reminds me of Roy Keane. Like they're such they're such a great team. They're like they're playing the old school four four two or kind of four four one one. Like I was listening to a podcast there. I was like some uh, football writers. They were talking about how like. English teams aren't used to playing against the, uh, against four four two anymore. They're not used to playing against like lads running off the shoulder like Vardy does. You know, working the channels and stuff. Old school football. It reminded me of, like boxing. You know, like the 
the old school techniques of boxing are still good. Like it's still good, like to move your feet, to have head movement, you know, to tuck in behind your shoulder. All those old old things still are good today in boxing. Like, and I think football kind of got away from that for a while. Like, just I think four four two is still a fairly good formation, and people don't use enough. Like, when those those Kante and Drinkwater in midfield for. Uh, for Leicester, when you have two guys like that who are, you know, willing to work box the box players, that's brilliant. Like, remember back in the day, like, you just always be giving out about uh, Gerard and Lampard refusing to, like, work together. They wouldn't, one wouldn't drop back while one went forward and stuff. And, like, wait, when, when did things like that change? Like, Leicester are doing that now and it's, it's still working. Why? I don't know why aren't other people doing it. Like, we're going around this playing shit football, like United and Arsenal and Arsenal don't uh, play Chelsea. shit football ever. Yeah, but they're playing losing football. Like, why? Get get back to playing winning football like Giroud up front by himself. Crap! Like, well, I'd ra- I'd I'd rather like United are playing a little bit more than uh, than other teams. But like, teams need to get back to four four two. That's my Mike Bassett ran for today. Four four fucking two. That's what teams need to play. As I think I've mentioned it before, I'm a big fan of a of an Arsenal football blog called Arse Blog. Yeah, and it's a Dublin guy Andrew Mangan that does it. Um. And he had a great blog this morning about congratulations to Leicester. Pretty much because it was Spurs like absolutely bottling it themselves oh, as well. Did. Like which yeah. is which is an absolute perfect scenario. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm pretty happy that that happened. Um but did you see the videos of people's reactions to Claudio Ranieri like initially getting the job and then like Gary Lineker yeah. slating him and then up to a couple of weeks ago Gary Lineker being like, I really want them to win. It's yeah. like No, but Mourinho, uh, the Chelsea supporters were singing, cheering yesterday. That did it for Claudio, but yeah. he was like, he was pretty much like thrown out of Chelsea just for Jose to come in. And as Andrew Mangan says, for one of the most appalling men to ever manage a football team. And although he had no reason to ever talk him down, Mourinho did so in 2008 when they clashed in the Serie A. He said he is almost 70 years old. He hasn't. He has won a Super Cup and another small trophy. He is too old to change his mentality. He's old and hasn't won anything. I studied Italian five hours a day for many months to ensure I could communicate with the players, media and fans. Ranieri has been in England for five years and still struggled to say good morning and good afternoon. Well, a 5,000 to 1 underdog says go and fuck. Jose yeah, but he was Mourinho. right though. He was kind of right though, at the same time, wasn't he? No, no. And they were right to sack him to bring in Mourinho. He won like three titles, didn't he? Yeah, and get but back look, it doesn't bit. matter. You don't... He was dead right. Like, like there's some revisionist history going on today. Like, people were right to say Ranieri wasn't the right man for the job. Like, he he didn't look like the right man for the job. This was, this is so amazing because nobody saw it coming. Like, nobody could have seen it coming. Like, it was just unbelievable. Forty something people saw it coming that had bets on it. Twenty something had cashed out up until yesterday as well. So um, forty in the whole world, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Nostradamus craziness, like. Like, is it amazing as well? Like, we talk about these big shocks in MMA, like, and Holly Holm was 14 to 1 on to be Randa Rousey. Like, they're 5,000 to 1. Uh, yeah, but that's I, because I, they have to play every week. Yeah, but it, it is. It's games. amazing, isn't it? it how, I, I still can't believe how they did it. It's a phenomenal achievement. I do think, uh, from a personal point of view, it was probably the one year in a long time, and probably for the next while to come, that Arsenal had a great chance of winning the league yeah. themselves. Uh, Leicester lost three games all season. Two of those games were to Arsenal. It just goes to show that uh, something is up there. I'm still yeah. not on the Wenger out brigade by any ah, uh, way, shape, or she form. Seen blaming Hale the Wenger. fans last week. Hail Wenger. 
terrible. Um, this uh, actually, uh, now that you say that about Arsenal, like this reminds me of Limerick. Like two years ago, we could have won one day all Ireland. Clear, Kilkenny uh, lost. We uh, did we beat Tipperary? Tipperary last time they were gone, and mm. all we had like we to be clear to get into the final against to uh, Cork and Cork aren't that great, and we fucking shat the bed and lost to Clare. Oh god, it was the one. It was on the worst ever. Like we actually got trashed by Clare as well, and we were better than him. Like made me mad. It was, it was, it was not good. Cry me a river, Sean. Exactly. You no, know, Glenn Hansard covered that song as well. Actually, Justin Timberlake's. I don't like Glenn Hansard. Oh well, then never mind. Do you like MMA though? Uh, yeah, I do. There's a bit of it going on this weekend. There is. Where's it on? Rotterdam. Or anywhere. Uh, it could be in Liverpool or Rome. But it's on Rotterdam. Yeah, this one's okay. on in Rotterdam. Are you going? I am. Oh, yeah. But thank you for uh, playing into my beautiful South reference there. An imaginary <laughs> fist bump is on your way right now. <laughs> Are you looking forward to going over and giving Pizzi big hugs over in Rotterdam and chowing down with Dave Fogarty on some noodles or something whatever they have in Rotterdam haven't decided yet I'm bringing the ghee anyway we'll have to find a, a little <coughs> what sorry <laughs> I, that, that, I'm just proving the game I did snigger yeah, at the word ghee there sorry I did I, John Harker was right oh yeah we must mention so just before we get into that the winner of the competition from last week was uh, oh not will we announce it later or no okay we'll announce it later we'll keep going you might have won you may you have won. won keep listening we don't won. want anyone tuning out now we're definitely <laughs> going to forget we're definitely no no I'll remind forget. you I'll remind you okay if we forget it's going to be on Twitter we'll tweet it out excellent um, aside from that though I am looking forward to it I am looking to get uh, to go and see it decent enough card to be honest compared to some of the European ones that they've put on in the in the past 12 months I think that uh, I think the eye has kind of fallen I didn't want to say the eye has fallen off, but now that Connor is transferred from the European MMA scene into the the Las Vegas MMA scene, there has been a little bit of like a lack of bite at some of these events. Yeah, with Gustafson as well. Like Gustafson has kind of been, you know, he's and he's Latifi. Two fight Latifi, yeah, exactly. Latifi's la- are the um, Gustafson's last two fights. Have they been? I don't know. But most of his recent fights, anyway, haven't been in. You know, he'd won big one in in Sweden, but you know, the uh, the rest of them have kind of been against Jones and Carmi and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely, most of these cards, you know, they're not great. This one, it isn't great either. But it does have it has a few good cards. Like the top three fights are pretty good. Uh, well, the Colin event isn't great, but uh, Nikita Krylov is on a people love him you're really yeah, selling this yeah. for me Sean I can't wait there's, now there's to go who's that? I love a bit of who's Sam Havilov and I suppose what we're most concerned about is Neil Siri against Haraguchi and uh, the fight brass prelims heading, heading it up shout out actually on the card as well that should be a good fight between him and Dominic Warners and Gunny and Gunny Nelson yeah Gunny Nelson but this Neil Siri Haraguchi fight um, we spoke about it a little bit last week, but I suppose we'll, we'll get a little bit more into it this week. Just before we get into the fight, what what does this mean for Neil Siri? If he can win this fight, what look at him, do you think? Okay, I've been thinking about this a lot because we have had questions about it from the last two weeks. Now, there is an Irish-shaped hole ready to be filled at the moment in the mainstream media. And I think Neil's, it, the hole is just about Neil Seary's size, which is tiny, obviously, for him, a man of his stature. But I do think there is, a, a, there is an area now for an Irish fighter in the UFC to break out in a similar way to the way Conor McGregor did into our mainstream audience over here. Can you imagine the reception Neil Seary would get if he was on the Late Late Show? 
<laughs> It'd be funny, wouldn't it? Right, that would be brilliant, first of all. That is something that needs to happen, okay? So we need to tweet the Late Late Show and get Neil Seary on that. I, I just think that a win against Haraguchi, because like we said, when the fight was announced, you line up the top five or six best flyweights in the world, and you say, which one has Neil Seary got the best chance of beating? Haraguchi is the one that you're going to pick out of the line and have Siri to fight him to try and uh, to try and get the win against him. It would. I don't know. You don't agree with that, no? I, no, I don't agree with that. I think you'd have a better chance against Farmiga, Ian McCall. Yeah, I think Haraguchi is actually a very tough matchup for him. Uh, but but we'll get to that in a second. But do, do you think if you win, like a lot of people are kind of suggesting, if he wins, he could. There's nobody there. Like Farmiga is kind of maybe the one. Um, Lewis Malka as well, maybe around the title shot. But a win over, you know, a win over Haraguchi would mean something if he could get it. You know, it, it might be one away from it, but he's not that far away from a title shot if he does that. This division is very light. Like we speak about it a lot. Like if he beats Haraguchi, he's going to be, he's going to be into the top ten. At the very least, if he beats Haraguchi, his next fight will be one that'll have eyes on it, and he may get a good paid effort. Do you know what I mean? That's like, I don't think that he'd be thrown in for a title shot off a win over Haraguchi unless he dominated from pillar to post and finished him in the third round do you know as opposed to like a lucky knockout maybe or a good knockout in the first round I think if Siri absolutely beast him in every facet of the game up until the third round before getting a finish then yeah I could see that situation where he gets a title shot but otherwise like as you said I think Louis Smolka is the one of the guys I hope he gets a title shot in 2016 I would really like to see that I actually would also really like to see Neil Siri rematch Louis Smolka somewhere down the line as well I think that is an absolutely captivating fight um, as we were saying about being thrown into the into the mainstream maybe a little bit more I do think it had happened. I think Neil is doing himself. He's probably taken Stephen Lowry's advice this past six months and has actually got into his little video blog thing. They're all on Severe. They're all on our YouTube page. He is. Uh, he's. He just has something. You know, we talk about Dylan Took. About Dylan Took has the ability to be the next yeah. uh, McGregor in terms of his genuine likability from the Irish public to see him as just a regular guy. Neil Seary is that pretty much he's embodied just by that like he is the working man's man he is a regular man he is the dad that fights people at birthday parties you know with a can of lager in his hand <clears throat> I, I just can't see anything other than if he wins against Haraguchi there will be a big interest there will be an explosion in him yeah like Ireland is own main event we, we lost the main, main event and the co-main event last year Ireland is all on like Demetrius Johnson is you know he's struggling to get people. If, like, he's fight pass wins. anyway. He's a fight pass <coughs> champion anyway. Yeah. Why not if if the UFC does come to Ireland in 2016, which has been speculated, then let's go for it. Neil Siri versus Demetrius Johnson main event. Yeah, cause, but if Siri, I don't. I actually don't. I don't think he will get a title shot if he wins this. But you know, it'd be, it'd be great if he did. But uh, like, uh, if even if he doesn't, I think he's going to be pushed into the fights that he wants you know he spoke about before about Ali Bagatinov, Wilson Hayes like, well maybe he's not spoken about but people have spoke about those fights before that they'd be great action fights you know and I you know, I think that'd be that'd be great for him he'd like he'd love that they're probably main main card fights um, you know on big maybe even big European cards or Brazil or somewhere like that or, or big uh, big uh, American cards so you know a win would be great, but I think it's it's going to be very tough if we look at the actual matches up itself. <clears throat> like uh, earlier, we, you know, I was talking about kind of old school boxing. I think that's how Neil Siri maybe is going to win this fight, along with adding in a little bit of wrestling. You know, 
what Siri's very good at is kind of drawing people into his fight. You see, you saw he did it against uh, against Phil Harris at UFC Dublin that time, and now obviously Phil Harris is no uh, Haraguchi, but you know he he did a great job of drawing him in. He does it an awful lot. I think it was Chris Wade was the name of the guy as well. He fought he you know really good, fast, athletic guy as well. Drew him or Chris Beals or he drew him drew him straight into his game and you know made him fight exactly the way he wanted to. And, you know that's. I think that's the way Siri is going to win this fight if he does. I remember he spoke to you just before the fight was announced at one of the local shows and he was talking about kind of mixing up his game and kind of hinted at adding in wrestling, you know, and he knew he was fighting Haraguchi at that, at that stage. So, I, you know, breaking down this fight, Siri kind of wants to fight this fight, I think, the way Misha Tate fought Holly Holm. You know, you have to pick your moments. When, when there's an opening, get in there, get your takedown or get in and land a big shot. You know, in close. Um, Haraguchi's, you know, he's uh, he's a karate kind of stylist. He's going to want to stand on the outside. He's going to want to use his speed to get in, hit Siri and get straight out again. He's going to throw a lot of kicks, going to throw a lot of volume and, you know, try to bam- bamboozle Siri. And, you know, that's going to be tough to get through, I think. Um, Haraguchi, he's one of the top fighters in the world for a reason. Like, you went to the last second, literally last second of the fight with, with Demetrius Johnson after, you know, what, what do you want, like eight fights in a row before that? So, uh, you know, um, it's going to be very, it's going to be very tough night for Neil Siri. When you were talking about his style, uh, I thought you were about to make another point there, Sean. You just abruptly ended. You caught me off guard there. I was Actually, playing with my yeah. hair. Are you okay? It's okay. No, go on. Um, I was saying, uh, I think it was Dave actually was bringing this up the last show we were on our way to. In terms of uh, a flyweight needing bodies of a similar size, Neil is definitely not, uh, spo- I don't want to say spoiled for choice, the opposite of that. He's not uh, short of choice of training partners a similar size to him up in Team Rhino. Between amateurs and pro guys around the 122, 125, 135 weight divisions. You know, he was, you saw it in the videos, the guys were a little bit bigger but not overly bigger. If Siri was controlling them on wrestling, what's it going to be like when he's fighting a guy who is his same size so I do think especially someone like Hugh O'Rourke for example I think would have been one of Siri's main training partners for this camp he is definitely uh, I think he would have been able to get good sufficient training to mimic this body style that he's coming up against but maybe it could be the same case as we see with a lot of things preparing for something and then actually facing it when you're in there are two polar opposites yeah it's almost impossible to get someone like Haraguchi it's his speed more than anything else you know He's he's so fast. Uh, and like he's, st- I know you said we spoke about it before on the podcast. Even when the fight was announced, the first that you know, just kind of a lot of karate kind of stylists around Irish MMA. So I no problem with that. And even in his own gym, but it's it's going you know, to speed the way he adds it in as well is is going to be very tough. But it's, like, I, if I'm picking this fight, I'm you know I'm picking Haraguchi to win. I think he's going to do it, but. Uh, I think over five rounds it'll be a tougher fight for him as well, but over three rounds it's going to be tough to get, you know, those. He needs to win those moments, you know. I don't think he's going to, you know, he needs, if you come up with a game plan kind of to just outstrike Haraguchi for every second of the game, I don't think that's going to work. I think you need, you know, let him do what he does and pick your moments. Get, you know, get inside, get, land those big shots on the inside, maybe clinch him up, land knees inside, you know, get that takedown, take him down. If you could spend three minutes on the, on the floor and around, win that round, you know, claw your way to, to the win. I think that's, I think that's the way series is going to win if he does win. Um, I, on the feet, if it's, if it's just a, a pure stand-up fight, I don't think, I don't think he can win that. Uh, like he could, if, you know, if, 
if Horiguchi comes in there and stands in the pocket and trades with him with his hands, I think Siri could beat him. But Horiguchi doesn't really do that. You know, that's not the type of fighter he is. So, but it, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting matchup. I like, I wouldn't rule Siri out of uh, of winning it. He is good. You know, he's he hasn't uh, he's no knockouts in the UFC so far. But he's you know for one twenty five or he's big hands. He's you know, he could definitely knock someone out at, the, at that division. Um, as we saw against John Dallas Reyes, his, his submissions are there now as well. You know, he's very hard to submit himself, uh, especially lately. And, you know, if you're uh, Horiguchi looking at this, you're fighting an on-rank guy who's pretty dangerous. So, you know, he last time out, he wasn't that impressive against against Chico Camus after coming off of uh, off of the championship loss. And you know, if, maybe Siri is looking at that and taking a bit of solace in it. But you know, it's it's going as I say, it's going to be very tough, and you'd have to probably favor Haraguchi to win it. Right? There's a couple of things that you uh, touched on there, especially in your last minute, that I just want to bring up a little bit further. You're saying about how he's looking a little bit more. Uh, <clears throat> we know he is a good striker. I think his confidence has grown in his striking in every UFC fight. I think coming into the UFC against Brad Pickett in the way that he did maybe rattled him a little bit in terms of I'm going to go in, I'm hitting someone here and now he's reverting to a completely different game plan because he won't stand up with me. Do you know, like Pickett just was relentless with trying to get him to the ground after maybe a couple of exchanges. You then saw him adapt within that in his UFC career. Phil Harris tried to get him down. He wasn't able to get him down, I don't think, successfully in the fight. Maybe once. Um, then if you look at the Chris Beal fight when he was put on his back, you saw the difference between the Pickett fight and the Beal fight because of how active he was off his back. Do you know what I mean? Throwing those elbows from close guard, going for submission attempts constantly off his back. And we've seen this evolution like just improve from Neil Seary. Um, the Louis Smolka fight, caught in a couple of deep submission attempts, as you said, Fast forward to the John Delos Reyes fight, and he's catching guys in, and he's catching him in a submission himself. Do you know, there's definitely Neil Seary is the guy that's. I think this fight is coming at a perfect time for him, is what I'm saying. I do think that he's done his, he's had his lessons in the UFC. A lot of his fights outside of the UFC up until that point would have been at weight divisions higher than 125. Like he has fought at 135 in the past. I think he has even fought up as high as 155 in his uh, in his career. So it's like this is all coming at the perfect time. That series getting has got all of this experience in the UFC. He's fought guys that want to take him down. He's fought guys that are willing to stand, and he's fought guys that are trying to submit him. So now, if it's just a speed issue in the Haraguchi thing, like barring Neil Siri collapsing from cardiac arrest as his age, you know, it may happen when he's mm. pushed uh, into those third rounds against Haraguchi. But I don't. I'm I'm not as. Uh, pessimistic I suppose as uh, as you are in, in terms of in that pick I do think that Siri is I think Haraguchi is very very clippable for Siri I think Siri is quick enough hands to be able to catch him Haraguchi may be quick but fair enough Siri mightn't beat him in 100 metres but his hands his hand speed his twitch reaction his twitch muscle fibres or whatever it is that we're talking about these days I think you could keep up with him in that that sense. I, I don't rule out Neil Siri being able to rock him on the feet. But as you said, I am more interested in seeing how this grappling goes. I think like your analogy of comparing it to Misha Tate and Holly Holm was very, very good because I was gushing on this podcast after Misha beat Holly. Because that was like, as if you're listening to um, Eminem lose yourself. Do you know that sort of thing? Yeah. Like one shot. No, what's that? Fort Minor. Remember that used to be on all the Cristiano Ronaldo tribute videos. 
Maybe. No, I don't know. 15% luck. Oh, yeah. 20% skill. 15% concentrated power of will. So. 5% pleasure. 50% pain. And yeah. 100% reason to remember the name. So, similar to that, uh, I don't even know why I made the reference to the Fort Minor song now, but alas, I still do think that um, she took her shot. Do you know what I mean? She yeah. It was her kill shot. She took it. I think there will be opportunities in the fight where Siri can capitalize on those things as well. Whether it's a, a shot to the body that gives him an extra second to be able to land one clean on the chin. Whether it's a like ground and pound shot that just dazes him a second enough for him to throw the arm over for a guillotine. I think this could be the greatest night of Neil Siri's career. And even then, if he walks in there and comes out after maybe a three round and it's a split decision loss or it's a decision loss, but we got to see his caliber and see how good he can be against some of the best in the world, then, oh, Jesus, Sean. Anthony Pettis just fucking fell over there. Oh, Sorry. did he? Grand. Yeah. Uh, Tony P. Then Neil Siri's stock has risen. Do you know what I mean? Walking out of that fight and people as once, as again, as they always are after he fights, they're thinking, God, I can't wait for Neil Siri's next fight. He yeah, brings what, it no matter yeah, what. Whatever happens, it's going to be a great fight. Obviously, it's with Siri and Haraguchi as well. In fairness, is a very exciting, uh, exciting fighter. So it, it should be a good one. Um, uh, Eric Winter has done it again. He's got a, a fight pass, a great fight pass, uh, headlining fight. People are kind of giving out about it, but you know, I think people don't really understand what what they're trying to do with fight pass. And I think I think it's actually good placement for for fighters like this. I think there it's actually better for Neil Siri and Haraguchi to be on the fight pass headlining spot than to be maybe on the prelims or even on the main card, you know. Like, who's talking about Jermaine Durandamy against Anna Elmo's? Like, who, you know, the, I think they're getting a lot of light on him. You saw the UFC release the video yesterday of Neil Siri with, like, you know, it's like a 30-second video of highlights and stuff. So if he was on, you know, if he was on the main card... Uh, halfway down, or he was on the prelim card, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be getting that. But he's on the top of the fight pass thing. They're kind of pushing him because they want to push fight pass, and uh, I think that's actually a good placement to be, especially on a card like this, you know, when it's not pay per view. So yeah, I think it's that's uh, good. But yeah, it should be an exciting fight, and I think it'll, I think whatever way it goes, I think it'll go three rounds. Um, but you know, I I think Haraguchi, I I think Haraguchi will win it, but. Definitely wouldn't, definitely wouldn't rule Siri out of maybe robbing a couple of rounds, especially if you know if he can get his wrestling on point. If he can get Hara, if he can get a hold of Haraguchi and get him down to the ground, he could uh, he could uh, eke out the old victory. But further down the card, or further up the card, I should say. Yes. The return. Another, another man from uh, around our our way, as we should say, maybe. Uh, I wouldn't say your way because you're well, in the southwest of uh, southwest of Ireland. Yeah, you're around your way. Well, I'm actually closer to where he's from than you are, to be honest. Where he's from, I- Iceland. Iceland, yeah, I'm closer to Iceland than How you. How are you closer to Iceland when I'm in the north of the country? Because I, where's Iceland? Iceland I- is north. <laughs> yeah, but Iceland's like northwest. No, it's not. It is, isn't it? Let me look. Google Maps, maps.google.com. We're going to see who's closer to uh, closer to Iceland here, ladies and gentlemen. Google Maps has been opened up furiously on both a bad laptop and a bad desktop computer. I say we're about the same. Yeah, maybe you're a bit closer. Yeah, right? no, of course I'm closer. Like I'm up the other well, end of the country than you. But it's way... It's off the west. This kind is why of, I need a globe on my desk. Yeah, I actually want the globe as well. I really want the globe. 
the I want the globe that you can open and there's like a decanter in it. You know, oh like. yeah, I know them. Okay, actually, I am on. definitely closer to Iceland. Now, depending yeah, on yeah. where Reykjavik is, uh, maybe you are closer. But no, you're still closer. No, you're closer. Yeah. There you go. Fighting this weekend, the return of Gunnar Nelson against Albert Tumanov. How do we see that one going? It's another tough fight, I think, for uh, for Gunnar Nelson. Like this is a, you know, we talk about Syria. Maybe this is the fight that change, changes things for him. For Gunnar Nelson, it's, I think it's one of those fights as well. It's, you know, he's coming off of two losses in his last three fights. Another loss here would be very, you know, it'd be very tough for him. Uh, like, you see, let me just have a look at the rankings. He's, um, you know, he's he's not even ranked at, at the moment in the the welterweight top ten. You know, Hector Lombard just coming in there again. Uh, Tumalov is at, at thirteen, so he's not even ranked at the moment. So, you know, if he could beat if he could beat Tumalov, he'd be back in the rankings again. But, you know, I think this is a very tough fight from um, Rick Story's 11th as well. And, you know, this is a, this is another tough fight for Gunnar Nelson after, you know, after that Maya uh, fight in December as well where he got, you know, he got beaten badly from pillar to post um, again. But this this is a, a great fight. Uh, Tumanov is one of those guys, you know, one of those Russian guys. But... You know, he isn't one of those kind of habby, kind of take you down samba type of fighters. He's more of the hand to hand. I think he's a master of hand to hand combat in in Russia, boxing style. It's very, very clean, precise, crisp boxer. Beautiful to watch. His control of distance is unbelievably good. He, he reminds me a little bit of um, <coughs> Koreshkov, who fought Vincent Henderson last week. Fights a little bit like he did against Vincent Henderson. You know, he'll control the distance. He's a wonderful job. Be- absolutely beautiful left hook, which is his best shot. He hurts a lot of guys with it. But um, sometimes he can be a little bit... Um, he can be a little bit, uh, you know, his output isn't the strongest in the pocket when he's against someone who's kind of going to wait on him. And I think uh, that might be a little bit the case against Gunnar Nelson. We saw, you know, Gunnar Nelson against against uh, Damian Maia was a little bit different because Damian Maia kind of, he wanted to, he wanted to strike more with Damian Maia, but Damian Maia kind of drew him in and got takedowns and stuff. And we didn't couldn't see much of his striking against Brandon Thatch. We saw him landing that big right hand and he was kind of waiting for him to come in if he does similar thing against uh, against uh, Tumanov you could see this fight being kind of uh, you know one of those fights where they're both kind of standing at range and they're much landed I know you know remember Anderson Silva's fights when he started before there wasn't a punch lander for like 90 seconds I wouldn't be surprised if that happened in this fight but eventually it's going to get into it Um, you're probably going to see Gunnar Nelson trying to get the takedown Trying to maybe trying to land a big shot and get a knockdown, but it's going to be very hard. Tumanov, iron chin, very, very good takedown defense. But we haven't seen much of him on the ground. If Gunnar Nelson could get it there, he'd probably have a big advantage. But if it stays on the feet, I think I think uh, Tumanov has has the advantage, especially if he can close the distance against Gunnar Nelson. You know, we speak about karate stylists, so that that's you know, that's what Gunnar Nelson is on the feet. Um, but it's you know, he's He's not at the same level of striking as, as Dumanov. I don't think he's you know he's good power and stuff as I said, but the the technique is definitely gonna favor Dumanov. Uh, I've seen him fight uh, once before. I think when he fought Masuke, was that in Stockholm on the same series card as well? Yeah, way back when. Um, like what you're saying, I don't want to say that I have a fear in this fight for Gunnar Nelson, but. 
I think maybe after all of us thinking for so long that Gunnar was going to be such a dominant force in the one one seventy division, and maybe it's because just from within an Irish perspective, even before Connor kind of made a name for himself, people were talking about Gunnar Nelson as a future world champion, like as a prodigy and different things like that around the country. So it's definitely been hard to, and there's all like when you see him lose the fights, you're always just thinking like he could have won that fight. Do you know what I mean? It, whether it looks like he's given up or whether it looks like he just was a little bit disinterested, there were times like you're just wondering about this fight. Like As you're saying, if it comes to the ground, Gunnar will have an advantage. But Rick's story effectively gave the perfect blueprint, blueprint even for how to beat Gunnar Nelson. And it's to get out of the second gear because he won't get out of second gear. And it's shown that he maybe in some fights hasn't gone out of second gear, but it has done him enough to be able to win. But if you're able to up the pace, up the output, be able to strike and wrestle, well then, do you know what I mean? You are going to have a very, very good chance against Gunnar. I would like to think that he's uh, improved all of those things. He has been over in SBG for quite a while since his last fight, has been training with John. John and all of those guys were out in Iceland as well. I I do think this is going to be the return of Gunnar Nelson that we're going to see. I wouldn't be surprised to see him... uh, get a guillotine or a rear naked choke like we're going to see it's the type of performance that makes you go back and think oh yeah his jiu-jitsu actually is world class you know after the Maya fight where he was controlled by someone who was world class as well you're going to go see how good Gunnar actually is himself when he's up against someone who uh, who also isn't a black belt yeah Tumov is the kind of guy is he a black belt actually is Tumov a black belt Nelson oh I don't know uh, I don't know I don't think so Wikipedia usually knows this I'll yeah I'm on Wikipedia but it doesn't say but Tumov Reminds me of Gunnar Nelson before the Rick Story fight. You know, he's coming in off of what four, five, or six wins in a row now. He lost in his UFC debut, but you know, you could kind of explain that away by you know, it was a split decision and stuff. And but he's never fought like he fought Lorenz Larkin in his last fight, who's a good fighter, but you wouldn't call him you know an elite fighter in, in the division. Um, but he's coming up against another, I, I, I'd rate Gunnar Nelson above Lorenz Larkin a little bit. He's coming, you know, he's stepping up another level and. Personally, I think he's going to be able I'm to... I'm on a new level. level. I'm on a new level. That's a good song, actually. Um, but, you know, he's coming into the level now where, as I said, he's ranked number 13. <clears throat> just, you know, this guy's just above him, kind of like Kevin Gaslam, Matt Brown, Neil Magny and stuff. And I do think he's going to be able for that that um, ilk of fighter. But you just never know until, you know, until he's put into it. <clears throat> he should, obviously, against, against Lorenz Arkin, it was a split decision, and that wasn't his best performance today, to be honest. But it was kind of a weird fight, you know. There was a lot of... Lorenz Arkin stayed on the outside and refused to come in. He did it, you know... Uh, Tumanov did a great job of keeping his distance, and that's what he's probably actually best at. But Lorenz Arkin found a way to land, and he found landed loads of leg kicks on him off the back foot. Um... And, and, you know, got into split decision, arguably won that fight. So, Tumanov has a little bit to prove as well. Even, you know, I do think he's a very good fighter. Like, it's, but it's, you know, it's hard to tell until they do it. If Gunnar Nelson can fight off the back foot, <clears throat> like, um, like Lorenz Arkin did, maybe land a few shots with his hands, you know, he's, he's good kicks as well, good leg kicks. And they could give Tumanov a little bit of trouble. I don't think this is a cut and dry fight, definitely not. But, you know, I, I think it's actually it's going to be a good fight. It's going to be one of those tactical battles that we we don't actually see that often in the OC, but I think it's going to be very good. But get to appreciate it afterwards and be like, you know what, that was actually a brilliant mixed martial arts contest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like as I said, the, the first first half of the first round, there could be a big feel now process. But you know, I, I think Tumanov 
the way the Gunnar Nelson fights, it's going to be hard for Tumanov to be very dominant. Like, if Tumanov fights the fight where he wants to fight for the whole fight, I said the word fight about 15 times there, but it's probably going to be a 30-27 decision for Tumanov. But if Gunnar Nelson can get the fight where he wants to get it, he's probably going to finish it. Like, it, Tumanov is, you know, we haven't, as I said, we haven't seen that much of him on the ground. But we, you know, if you're fighting in the UFC on that level, if you've, you know, if you've that level of, of striking and your takedown if it's that good you're probably pretty good in the ground but you're not going to be on Gunnar Nelson's level like we saw levels of Gunnar Nelson and Damian Maya. Damian Maya is a level above Gunnar Nelson but Gunnar Nelson's a level above the majority nearly everyone else the yeah, yeah. in the world so if Gunnar Nelson gets this fight to the ground he could definitely finish it but it's going to be very tough to get the fight to the ground Lorenz Larkin or sorry uh, Tumanov is a very good takedown defense as, as he showed against Larkin, as he showed against uh, Choban as well. He, he, you know, he's good to stop the stop the takedown, especially against, you know against Choban as well. He he hurt him, and Choban kind of he went for the takedown and he couldn't get it, and you know he finished him off well. But yeah, it's, this is I'm actually the more I talk about this fight, the more I'm getting excited about it. You know, it's a very good, very good style matchup. Than that, you know, it's one of those fights. I I write my preview a lot that. It all depends where it's going to take place, and it's who can stop the fight from happening, and where the other person wants it to happen. You know, it's going to be all about Tumanov stopping that takedown. If he can stop it, he'll more than likely win. Now, Gunnar Nelson is not, you know, he's not mugging the feet. It's not, it's not cut and dry that yeah, Tumanov will win if it's on the feet. But I think more than likely, in my opinion, anyway, he will probably win if it's if it's on the feet. But if, as I said, Gunnar Nelson get it to the ground, he's going to be very dangerous. Well, after I went looking to find out if he was a black belt in jiu-jitsu, unfortunately yeah. it doesn't say it, but he is, Sean, a national master of sports in boxing mm. and a master of sports in hand-to-hand combat. I mentioned that earlier. I said it. You were listening to me. That was Well, yeah, you, you were obviously reading off the same Wikipedia page I was just there. I, yeah, but I actually heard that when I was watching like, fights. Um, so he's obviously dabbled in a little bit of Krav McGahan. Oh, I thought you were. Um, you're, you're gone a little bit blurry there. I thought you were just being silent for effect of me talking about oh. Crab McGahan. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, you're back now. You're back. Your, your picture on Snapchat the other day of Crab McGahan. You're underneath a Crab McGahan sign and wrote McGahan. Yeah, yeah, very, very That's smart, it. very, very witty. The Excellent. main event of the evening: Alistair yeah. Overeem returning to his homeland. Oh wait, no, he's not going back to Nottingham. Thanks for that, Graham. <laughs> Alistair Overeem. <laughs> that was a good one there, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It British was. flag. <laughs> Graham accused me yesterday of being like him. He goes, oh, you're doing the, doing the Graham there. Like, like yes, do you know, when Leicester won, I put up this thing of uh, about Casper Schmeichel. Um, yes, I saw it. Actually, I meant to open the podcast with that today. Sean yeah. Sheehan being an ignorant fuck on his Facebook page. <laughs> Someone commented, oh, that's like the hundredth time I've seen oh, that did, on the yeah. internet. That's my friend, yeah. Oh, was it? I yeah. was hoping it was someone you didn't like. No, well, I don't like him. But no. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. And you, what was your comment under it? Well, it actually has only been possible for the last 20 minutes or so. <laughs> dickhead, yeah, I call him a dickhead. And he goes, up your game. And I said, I am the game, buddy. What's your, uh, what was your Graham moment, though? That was your man, actually, as well, who bought the Ross Nutrition stuff. So. Oh, well, then he's a sound man. Yeah, some, uh, it was the same thing I put it up on Twitter as well and someone was like actually Casper Schmeichel hasn't been born in the time he was born in 1986 Liverpool won in 1990 and I was like I never said he was born I just said he had a son I was like even though I was totally wrong but you know. it was another son did Peter Schmeichel no, no. have another son 
I, no, he didn't. He was Casper. And I just said, I said he had Casper's Michael. I didn't say he was, I didn't say Casper was born at the time. So technically I was right. Yeah, but he I was like totally had wrong. him what, on holidays or something? Yeah. <laughs> no, he just had a son. Like, I have a computer. That doesn't mean I fucking was born today. Yeah, like. but you said since Liverpool last won the league, Peter Schmeichel had had a son. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. No, I didn't Are say you that. sure? One. Yeah. That's, that's the one that a lot of people <coughs> was doing yeah. the rounds a lot. Oh, I was totally wrong, like. I was totally wrong, but... But technically, I'm, I'm by the letter, be- of the, uh, letter of the law. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be a, a, hero, a heroistic thing. To, that, is that even a word? I don't know. Hero- like, Diego Costa wouldn't stop if he was wrong like that, would he? I, I, in moments like that, I always think, what would Diego Costa do? And what Diego Costa would have done there was not back down. He would have just fought his point, even though he knew he was wrong. Can we take a minute to appreciate the Spurs team getting like eight yellow cards yesterday in the space uh, Nine, yeah, nine. <laughs> that, they actually lost the head, like. Scumbags, like. They were. They were very, very petulant. And, like, they had no need to be because if they had just played well and won the match I like I would nearly fancy them to win, to win it like Leicester like Everton is a tough game for Leicester because you know never know what Everton like Everton could go out and score six goals against Leicester like and if Chelsea didn't last game of the season like Tottenham just totally shot the bed altogether I saw something just before we get on to the main event I saw something today that the last time or it was it was on Twitter but I think it was said on the broadcast last night the last time Tottenham beat Chelsea at Chelsea was it seven of the starting 11 hadn't been born on the Tottenham team it was a crazy yeah. stat like that What's, I thought they'd never beaten them maybe it was at Stamford Bridge yeah uh, since yeah. the last time they'd beaten them at Stamford Bridge no, but I don't think they've ever beaten them at Stamford Bridge oh then maybe it was the last time they've ever beaten them yeah I think it was ever yeah or they maybe in like did Chelsea have another round before Stamford Bridge mm, years ago of. not that I care yeah, too much yeah. either yeah, you might be right. Uh, yeah, but to have him, yeah. It was a nice him. stat, anyway. Yeah, That's all stat. it was. I did see another good thing uh, that popped up, actually, just on Twitter two seconds ago. Chelsea goalkeeper Asmir Begovic has told BBC Radio London he's happy to have ruined Tottenham's chances of winning the Premier League. <laughs> what a great man. What a savage, like. Great yeah. man. Yeah. He said, We were reminded by the fans not to let Tottenham win. It is a big deal, and they were pleasing, and it was pleasing to spoil their party. What a man. Anyway, is there going to be any sort of party spoiling this weekend? Alistair Overeem versus Andre Arlovsky. What a fight that, when it was announced, people were more interested in how the gym was going to be split for the two guys as opposed to the two of them actually fighting. Uh, Overeem in his first couple of interviews after the fight announcement said that he thought that this fight would happen one day down the line and outside of some drills and stuff together, him and Arlovsky aren't actually that uh, close a training partner or close of friends. They're teammates, but it's what you get when you get to a high level, Sean. Do you know, it's what we see in these US gyms. Guys coming in and training there and they're just literally, they're, they're just paying for the facilities. They're paying for the coaching as opposed to what we're more used to over here in the European scene is guys getting to a higher level with the same people that they've been with. From, uh, from day one so it is more of a commercialised business even in some ways in the States and I think this is the type of fight that we're going to see on Saturday night Arlovsky's been there for longer uh, has it been announced who's splitting who is Jackson with Arlovsky I'm not sure actually yeah. that's going to be uh, a very interesting point and you can tell those guys are going to be asked the same question about a hundred times this week yeah. what's it like fighting someone that you train in the same gym with no issue <laughs> What? what are you laughing at? Nothing. Oh, that was just my first, like, 
Or yeah, that's your go-to voice. So. Yeah, no, just one impression for everything. Or then the the standard uh, Dutch media who'll be there. Hello, Alistair. Uh, how does it feel to be fighting back in the Netherlands this week? And he will be like, yeah, cool, no problem. And you train mm-hmm. with Mr. Olofsky in uh, Jackson's gym in Albuquerque. Uh, very, like, look, I know my impressions are spot on, Sean. I don't need to keep proving them to you. You definitely don't. <laughs> How do you see this fight going? I am, like, look, it's the battle of the men with no chins, okay? This fight, if we wanted to go 15 minutes for longevity purposes, let's just cut the bullshit, lads. Only head kicks allowed. No punches mm. to the face. Just attack the body. Good movement. I, 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 everything about this fight to me says it's going to be a three or a five round gas fest with wrestling against the cage and very little kill shots being thrown. <laughs> I, I think it's appropriate that you you started that this whole thing with the the fact that they're both training Jacksons <laughs> because they're both recently are fighting kind of like Greg Jackson is trying wants. to save it's their right. careers exactly like they're fighting in an intelligent way which is you know which is good and it's worked out especially well for okay it worked out well for Arlovsky but I think it's worked out especially well for Overeem because he lost three or four and I think maybe even the loss to Ben Artwell happened when he was at Jackson's, but he's won three in a row now. You know that fight against Struve, he took Struve down and and he beat him. The fight against Nelson, it was you know he stayed away from Ryan Nelson's right hand and kind of used. You know he's obviously a faster, more athletic guy. He used that against him and against Junior Santos. It was one of those where he just totally stayed away from him, barely threw a jab, and then came in and landed that one big shot. Where Arlovsky was kind of the same, you know. He, he with Arlovsky, it was it's kind of a thing of you know since he got back to the UFC he he had you know he had that fight with Brendan Sharp where nothing happened he had a fight with Frank Mir where absolutely nothing happened and then he had three first round finishes he got finished once himself and one two and one two himself so you know it, it's one of those things where this fight. It'll, it's like like most heavyweight fights. It'll either be a boring slugfest, as you say, or else it'll be a first-round KO. I think that's kind of the way it goes. Um, it, as you said, their, their chins aren't what they used to be. I think Arlovsky's is actually more gettable than Overeem's is. Like, Overeem is usually kind of type of guy who wins the first couple of rounds and then kind of gets caught. You know, we saw it against, um, against Rotwell. He, you know, well, it was... It was it was actually the end of the first round, but we saw it again against um, against Bigfoot Silva. I suppose was the biggest example of it. But um, I, personally, I think Overeem will catch Arlovsky at some stage and will will knock him out. Arlovsky could catch Overeem. We saw him, especially in the Travis Brown fight. He's you know sneaky kind of shots, um, especially against a guy who maybe he's trained, but he has, he actually hasn't trained with Overeem that much. I don't think they, they've said, but he had, he trained with Brown a, a good bit, but. Um, I think, I think oh, this is going to look a little bit like the JDS fight, but even even more favourable for Overing because JDS is a guy who likes to go forward and he likes to attack, whereas Arlovsky is a guy who likes to fight off the back foot and counter, which makes it more dangerous for Overing in a way because uh, Arlovsky is obviously more used to doing that and he's he's better at landing shots off the counter than than does Santos is, but it plays into his. He plays into Overeem's hands because he's not going to, you know, he's not going to come forward. He's not going to sweep forward those big raking shots. And, he, you know, he's going to fight the way Overeem kind of wants. Overeem likes to kind of, 
you know he's like he's like an eagle going after a mouse kind of job you know he like he likes fighting like that lands that one big swoop in and land that one big shot and then finish it with that so i think i think that will suit over him um but this fight you know this fight could go either as you said over his chin isn't you know not what he used to be either I, th- I think it'll probably i think it'll probably go into the go into the, you know couple of rounds three or four rounds and i think over him will probably land that one big shot eventually and knock Arlovsky out. But you know, it could, come a, it could come earlier. It's, it's hard to predict with with uh, with um, heavyweights and especially ones these age, especially as well after Arlovsky got knocked out the last time. Like, how is he going to come back from that? And you know, you never know what guys were shoving their late thirties how they're going to look. Talking about Arlovsky going off his back foot, I think that's actually where it's going to play into Overeem best. I just keep thinking and having flashbacks to the kick that dropped Brock Lesnar. From yeah. over him as he was retreating, retreating a little bit. I think it was a right, right kick to the gut, just yeah. like shin <laughs> on stomach, and I can I can just see him being confident in that. You know, like he's going to be going into the arena, which is going to be sold out, going to be the main event with the entire arena in his corner. Do you know, like there's that ninety nine percent of that arena will be in Alistair Overeem's favor. You know, there's absolutely nothing, uh, there's no doubt about that. He's going to have that spurring him on. And if he's the guy that's stalking down someone, being able to pick his shots and feeling more confident with Arlovsky fighting off his back foot, that's exactly what he wants. I'd be interested to know as well if they're going to be using the smaller octagon yeah. or the bigger octagon. Because I think if it's a smaller octagon, then you're going to see an Alistair Overeem finish, possibly even in the first round. I think a bigger octagon will give Arlovsky a better chance of bringing the fight longer into deeper waters where you say maybe he could land one of those sneaky shots uh, to be able to put Overeem down. I think it is a it is a coin toss for the most part in terms of like Rock'em Sock'em robots who will land the money shot on the other first. But if we're talking about like striking ability, I do think that Overeem is going to have the biggest advantage in in being able to throw strikes to set up the kill shot. You know, I think he's a, a much wider arsenal to be able to open up these shots and open up Arlovsky to get the finish. But outside of that, as long as it doesn't go the first way I predicted it, as long as we don't see a sweaty grappling match between two heavyweights, you know, like, fair enough, Alistair Overeem has good BJJ. We saw it more, more than likely we saw it when he was back fighting down at 205. Do you know what I mean? When he actually was able to move slickly on the ground before his traps imposed, before his traps stopped him from looking left and right and walking through doors, um, I think this could be just as I said, stand up fight. I'm going to go with Overeem finishing him in the first under one and a half rounds. Yeah, I actually can't remember what I gave him as my prediction, but you can read it over in SevereMail.com tomorrow. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah. Okay, we'll move on. We have a couple more things before quickly, we get to the questions. Yes. Um, what what do you think? Okay, the latest on the whole the whole McGregor Diaz thing. Um, McGregor came out yesterday and kind of went on a, a Twitter. A twi- I wouldn't a call it a Twitter rant, but he went in a little bit of a Q and A. Talked about his numbers. You know, called out um, called out Diaz again. Diaz replied back with hashtag White Belt or something like that. Um, Okay, well, just we'll, we'll run through this quickly. What are your thoughts on us uh, from the as as we stand now? Okay, one thing that I saw bloody elbow ran with this morning. Since the UFC pay per view numbers are never actually concrete or released, mm-hmm. Connor seemed to imply that he holds the biggest pay per view record. That one nine six broke UFC one hundred. 
Yeah. And he said it broke it by 400,000, which either means that UFC 196 did close to 2 million buys, and the UFC are definitely not releasing that information now, or it did 1.5 million and UFC 100 actually only did 1.1 million as opposed to the 1.6 that was speculated at the time. For me, I don't I think Connor would have inside information into this. He's always spoke about knowing his worth. He's always wanted to know the figures. To me, he does know the figures as well. And to me, I think this is legit. I think he's right with saying that, and it's not some, and it's maybe his way of getting it out. I don't think he can actually. Uh, I don't think he can. He can just. It's his way of putting it out there. Do you know, like almost like saying to the UFC, like as time goes by, me not being put on these cards, I'm going to keep just re- revealing more and more and more about the stuff that you guys don't want me to know or don't want people to know. Yeah. I think what he's what he did yesterday was actually a bit smart because we spoke about it last week and I think everyone has spoke about it and we were actually one of the first ones to do it because it was just released at the time but we talked about him kind of overplaying his hand with that you know with that tweet um, you know what was it again you know whatever it was every, the, you know, I am back on the card thanks yeah to yeah that one but I think he needed he c- couldn't have left it at that and I think what he did yesterday was kind of smart you know he he quoted a front row Brian tweet and um was like uh you know what, what was he saying like he wanted about he wants to rematch that he's gonna come in leaner and stuff if if they fought again and you know he talked about Diaz making excuses you know he's he's building up this fight he's doing good you know he's getting people interested in the fight again rather than you know I, I think he actually needed to do this because he'd overplayed the hand in kind of a promotional way and he's getting back into the actual fight now and the, you know the actual business of it which I think is pretty smart but my overall feeling the whole thing is just. I just want to get it over. Like it's the McGregor fans and the Diaz fans now are becoming so infatuated with this whole thing and infuriating. Like, just I just needed to end. Just either match Diaz and McGregor, match Diaz and someone else, match McGregor and someone else. Just get it over and get over. Now. They need they need to end this because, oh, in the words of Face the Band, they need to end this suffering. That's what they need to do. Yeah, sort this out in the ring. Connor put up a couple of good points. On the floor, he was swept and controlled. When the tank goes, no amount of skill will save you. You will see just different... The ways that he was wording things, I thought was like, okay, this is back into hype mode. This is back into fight promotion mode. Um, as you said, quoting the front row Brian tweet and then Brian tweeting, God's recognized God's straight after. It was probably the best part of the whole day. Um, he said one thing in particular. Nate Diaz made more excuses for the first eight minutes of the fight than he made for the last two minutes of their fight. What do you make of that? Fair enough. Uh, I'm not a big into this whole excuses thing. Like the reason I want to see this fight again is uh, there's some fights, right? That you know what way they're going to go, no matter what happens. But there's some fights that you'd like to see back in. Like I remember last week, I even spoke about. I wouldn't mind seeing Benavides fight DJ again because there's no one else there. Or, like, I want to see Kane versus Verdum again. Maybe not immediately, but because I think Kane can do better in that fight when he, you know, he needs a full camp if he's not nursing been injuries and stuff. And I think this is one of those fights again. Like, people kind of, I say, I've said this a lot of times before, but when people come into this fight, they thought, oh, this is McGregor. There's no way Diaz come in. And now it's, oh, this is Diaz, he beat McGregor, there's no way McGregor come in. So it's taking a full turn, and neither of those things are right. Like, both guys come in. Like, if this fight happens again, McGregor can definitely win it, Diaz can definitely win it. It's not going to go the same way as it did the first time. You know, 
I could see Diaz going in there, getting a hold of McGregor, taking him down and submitting him at the very start, or I could see McGregor knocking him out, or I could see it going to a decision, you know. Just because, you know, just because the first fight happened the way it did doesn't mean the second the second fight will go the exact same way. That's why, you know, people, like, I talked about it being way more intriguing than than Cormier against Jones. I think it is, because we know how Cormier and Jones is going to go again. Like, Cormier is not going to knock Jones out. He's not going to take him down and submit him. Like, we know that's going to come on, realistically. But in in the McGregor-Diaz fight, like, Diaz could take him down and submit him. McGregor could knock him out. Anything could happen. Like, that's why I think it's an intriguing fight for me. You know, okay, it doesn't mean as much. It, you know, there's no fairy tale belt on the line and stuff. But I just don't like seeing good fights. Maybe, maybe I'm alone. Maybe that's, you know, maybe I'm the only one who thinks that way. But that's why I want to see it. But now it's just a case I actually don't care anymore if it happens. You know, it'd be cool to see it. I'd like to see it. Uh, but I just don't care. I just need him to move on. Like, it's just, you know, it's gotten too much at this stage. It's just, come on. Get it, get it over and done. Put us all out of our misery. When do you think we're going to hear about Conor McGregor's next fight? Do you think that they're going to keep us in the dark until UFC 200? You know, I, I, you know my yeah. theory, which is top quality. It's <laughs> the worst theory ever. Go on, give us your theory first, and then I'll give you my theory. I No, to be fair, I do think that he will fight uh, the winner of Aldo and Edgar. I don't think they're going to give him Diaz. But if Edgar wins then it's a no-brainer to put it on Madison Square Garden. But they're talking about UFC, like Dana, what did he say? 201, 202, 203, whatever. Yeah. Edgar or Aldo may not be ready for then. If they're in a five-round yeah. war and you're planning Conor McGregor on one of those cards, then it looks like to me you're going to have to go with the Nate Diaz option. It's the fight that, that just should be made. But maybe the UFC throw a curveball, okay? Maybe... Uh, some featherweight gets an impressive victory in the next couple of months and is riding a couple of win streaks and they're like, okay, just give him to McGregor to undersell the event. So that Connor maybe, the UFC are looking at it, okay, Connor's always been helped maybe by a bigger figure in some of these fights and that's how he gets his gate. Maybe that could be the UFC's twist on it. Like, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if the UFC tried to bury Connor with a 145er or a 155er in his next fight. And I don't mean, like, I don't think there's a 145er in the company signed that could beat Conor McGregor, but I do think that they're going to try to give him a hard matchup to try and either lose the belt, lose something like that. I don't think it's going to be as plain sailing. We've said, like, this is, we, we spoke about the, the disputes in the past. I do think you're going to see a bad matchup, an attempted bad matchup for Conor, whether that's putting him on a card the other side of the world, whether it's different things like this. I just can't wait for it to be announced so we can speculate even further. They'll give him a beep. Do you think? No, I don't. But what I do think, this I, is well, my prediction. Like, if they do give him Khabib, then that's your answer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. What I think, this is my prediction. Uh, look, the UFC took maybe four or 500 pay-per-view buys of a loss um, by taking McGregor off, off of UFC 200. But they're probably giving themselves a million pay-per-views additional to like UFC 202 or whatever. By putting him on that, so it's working out. You know, it's working out pretty grand for him. It's working okay for him. So, I reckon they're going to double down on this, and I reckon they're going to put Phil Brooks on that card with him. CM Punk, the debut of CM Punk. It's going to be on the McGregor undercard. It's going to be opening up the main card or something like that with McGregor, and that's how they're going to make it. They're going to make that this a big card. They've been doing it a lot lately. They've been following up one huge card with another huge card. I think that's how they're going to do it, and they're going to get a shitload of buys for that. 
That's what I think. Because I just saw someone retweeted a gif there as I was logging into our Twitter page of uh, CM Punk saying how he'd be fighting in the octagon in 2015. <laughs> 2015 Remember yeah. that cage side is like. Yeah. I was just about to transition to the CM Punk question and ask, like, do you think this is going to even happen this year? I don't. I don't know. I, 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 do you care? I do. Yeah, I want to see him fight. Like I've always, I've always kind of wanted to see him fight. I hope it happens. Like we haven't heard much of him since that whole injury thing, have we? But it's coming around the time now. And you know, shit or boss for CM Punk, and he needs, you know, he needs to, um, you know, he needs to either get on the horse now and fucking do it. Get on the horse. Just forget about it. The horse. What are you talking about? Here after saying horse. Horse. horse, yeah. No, I didn't. Get That's on the horse. horse. Get on the horse. Fucking prick. Right, pull up the questions. Let's do it. I'm Let's... getting the questions. While Andrew's doing that, let me just give an old shout out to our sponsors, rosnutrition.com, where you can get 25% off your first order by using the promo code SEVEREMMA. Uh, Ross do loads of great stuff, like protein, and do they do like those bars? Yes, they sure do. Yeah. Dim. You can get them. You can get pre-workout, which I don't know what that is, but apparently it's really good. And JJ says he did. My friend JJ fucking lives or dies by it. Drinks it like water, he does. So there you go. You can get all that over at rosnutrition.com. Promo code severe MMA to get 25% off your first order. And while we're at it, let's announce the winner of last week's competition. Given to us by John Sheehan at Sports Stretch Shop. The winner is... Friend of the podcast, amazingly, and it wasn't picked by us, it was picked by John, so you can blame him. The Irish underscore Sheehan. Kieran. Kieran. Jesus. Sheehan? Kieran, if it had yeah. been a Sheehan, I would have I called bloody yeah, that war. Would, that would have been bullshit, like in fairness, yeah. But yeah, that's him anyway. The, no, the underscore Irish Kieran, yeah. So there you go. There you go. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's good that an actual podcast listener won it. Which As is, opposed which to is someone that entered that we know doesn't listen. Yeah, and I'm just clicking on his page. He's a Man United fan as well, so even better. And he's from Kerry. Excellent. Questions, are you ready? I'm ready. The man that always kicks it off. The show opener, Mr. Podge himself. Will Ben Ben Askren ever get a shot in the UFC? The way he dominates... No, okay, fair enough. Uh, (laughs) With Greg Jackson against Jones' extra muscle, as we heard in the corner. That's me adding that in. Affecting his cardio is a move to heavyweight not as likely as we all assumed. Yeah, that's actually a good question. Um, maybe, maybe it won't be as much of an issue at heavyweight because you won't have guys that are light, you know, athletes like often Sempru up there. Uh, but maybe, yeah, like John Jones, since he put on all that muscle, like he's, you know, he's a big guy, but. He's a, you know, he's thin. He's a kind of a slender guy, and even with all the muscle, he's still kind of a thin guy. His legs, are, you know, his legs are still still very thin and stuff. And you know, maybe maybe heavyweight after all isn't a thing that's going to happen um, soon anyway. I don't think so. You know, these plans are kind of easily made, but they're it's not so easy to actually uh, pull them off in the end. So yeah, maybe uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he never went to heavyweight. To be honest. I have some questions here as well from no, the, well, uh, see, I the Facebook ha- page. Okay, well, if you want to throw them out as well. Paul Brown here. You can answer this, Andrew. Do you reckon a win, yes or no? A win on Saturday or whenever it is. Um, will it get Syria title job? No. Sorry, Paul Brown. I know you train with him, but unfortunately not. Yeah, I don't think so either. Is that all? Okay. If oh, Con- there's more of us. You can right. go. We'll um, do every second one. Mi- mi- what? Are you doing one more, are you? 
You know, you do the next one. We'll okay. take one. Um, Mr. Podge, his final one, though, was, if Connor and the UFC's differences are unreconcilable, how hard would it be to go... Mm, it looks like R-E-N-E-G-E. Renege. 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 Renegade. I don't know. To go, we'll say go rogue on his contract and fight for Risen for $2 million. Here's a question. When are we going to see a fighter use the Bosman rule? Yeah, one of them will. Buy the Bosman, contract. The Bosman rule is not, if the Bosman rule is when your contract is up that you can go to places. That, that already exists. They can do that. Okay, well then who was it bought out their contract in something before? I'm thinking like I yeah, can you can re- do that but I, didn't I'd say Morton Gams Pedersen flirt with the idea of buying out his remaining contract with Blackburn Rovers at one time because he was yeah. going to join United possibly I think Jesus. so we were lucky in that we got off what well great man great footballer he was a good man in Fantasy League for one year and then crap every other year he's a baller absolute baller um, a question from Farrell Connolly uh, no talk on Carlos Condit as of late thoughts on a Condit versus Diaz fight in the future to avenge Nick's loss but from that Sean I've got a theory in myself UFC 202 Nick Diaz versus somebody Conor McGregor versus Nate put Conor in the co-main event that'd be good wouldn't it but they should save Nick and Nate on the same card for the UFC 209 oh yeah well that's well put them at 202 and that's fine they've got 7 yeah. events that's true that's true Here, here's one from Daniel Bradley he says no one else is talking about this but what do you think about Bellator putting their women's 145 pound title fight on, on televised prelims really yeah there you go how no one's talking about it yeah maybe it's a division that Bellator just don't see themselves expanding in any way shape or form in the future you know the big the big money you draw at that weight has now signed with the UFC so I think if you're going to get any eyes onto the product you always need a name in a similar division aside from maybe talking Gina Carano out of retirement then it seems like they don't really have much of a much of a future for that division anyway, or much of an option in terms of immediately growing it so that people will get eyes on it from the start. Do you know, like, I don't think we can understate Paige Van Zandt's effect, what it's going to have on the next time she fights if she just keeps cleaning up and dancing with the stars. Yeah, I'll definitely have Coon in there and a couple more, but, like, you know, this... Just shine a light on it. If you have a title fight, you might as well. That's a good way to, to promote it. Like, you know, you might get, I, like, I'd probably watch that if it was on television. Like, or, well, obviously, we can't watch it here because they, they air it. Up your viva! 12 days after on some channel and in the other channels. But yeah, they, they should really be on the main card. Will Martin wants to know, Sean, what's your favourite looking main card out of UFC 198, 199, or 200? All very good, but do you have a preference out of the three? You'd have to I'm say 200 UFC. still. No, I'm going for 198, actually. It's definitely not 199 anyway. No. That's, not a, that's not a good card. Not a great. I'm looking really up. looking forward to 198. I'm not going to lie. That's yeah. a great main card. Like, if you just take them on their merits purely, I think 200 is definitely. Like, 200 kind of had like a, you know, it's a bit like a Roman Reigns, you know. It's a bit of a, an old dirty kind of, you know light shine upon it we you just we don't like it and we don't really know why we don't like it anymore it's kind of one of those sanded type of things I think but I think it's still really good I have a very good que- probably I think question of the week up next oh I have, I have one as well it's a good one go on you go with yours from first from Jake Searle I think it's his first time asking a question at mm-hmm. Jake underscore S-E-A-R-L-E welcome Twitter. Jake welcome how do you see Northcutt's 200 bout ending after submitting to Barbarena Facing Marin, who's had five submissions out of eight wins. Yeah, I don't know. I can't even know. Who's he fighting? Marin? I, I, I have to look him up first before I see, but 
You know, Sage, Has Sage is improved RSA. his jujitsu enough? Oh well, yeah, he's yeah. like the man. The smile cannot be taken off his face. He's a great man. He's a great man. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to know at Sage. Like, it's where is he at, and what's the level he, he of the next guy he's fighting? And you know, it's, it's difficult to know. I suppose only time I haven't. That's still a long way away. I haven't done my uh, my tape watching for that yet. So research. I'm not. I don't. I'm hundred percent. Uh, recognition, recollection, even of the word of that guy he's fighting. I've probably seen him fight before, but I can't remember. There you go. What's your question? From Juan Nightstand. Juan Nightstand. Not, not sure if that's his real name or not, but we'll go with anyway. No, I think it's what? like a bedside locker. He just has one behind his tape, his bed. <laughs> name your top five in ring antics. Like Mighty Mouse does the power up thing. Oh, Betch yes. does stuff. Okay, okay, well, Betch is stomp. Is probably the, the funniest one in the world. <laughs> like Marco or um, Kevin Randleman, sorry. An absolute shout out to the number one on this list, Paddy Houlihan, UFC Dublin, doing the Robbie Keane celebration that across class, the cage. Yeah. That's number one there, okay? So we'll, we'll just accept that. I really like and have liked for a couple of years Junior De Santos is when he stomps out yeah. to the cage, does his little fist, his little swirl, and points yeah, to the ground. Up, yeah. I enjoyed that. I always thought Tito Ortiz's Gravedigger was so- yeah. somewhat bad taste, but well, yeah. also looked kind of like it was just a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Derek Lewis's Gravedigger. Last day, that was class. I don't know. There's something about it that I don't particularly like, but I yeah. also like at the same time. They're my shout outs anyway, Sean. What about you? You know what I like? I like Wonder Boys. Do you know he's Shocker. jumping thing at the end? I like I like a bit of Wonder Boy. You know I like Cole Miller's um which you know where he does the baps with um with Bruce Buffer. I like McGregor's standing in the middle of the octagon as well and putting his hands out and kind of basking in the Dan Hardy's uh, Balaclava was always a good one too. Yeah. Do you know my favourite of all is and he was talking about this with Ariel last week on the MMA or Michael Venom Page, the way he stands with his hand in the air. That's that's my favorite. MVP is the master of like in in ring, in ring, and showmanship. There you go. Woo! I hate Ric Flair. The nature boy, Sean M McLean wants to know: Do you think there's too much talk about pay per view buys and numbers, just rather than the actual fights from the fans? Uh, that fans are now being beast. like. I think, yeah, this maybe monkey see, monkey do. Like, if Connor's talking about it so much, then that turns yeah. into the number one go-to fact for the pub-level talk. Yeah, like, we all get drawn into the bit. Like, I'm I'm very high on... I want to see good fights. High on life, yeah. But I get drawn into the bit as well. Like, I definitely do. Like, yeah. I don't know. It, it, you kind of have to... MMA is one of those sports where, like... Like, if you Man United play Arsenal, we don't care how many people are watching it, but... Like MMA is kind of you hear you hear a fight announced and you're like oh sure, no one's gonna watch that why like why do we care even though you know maybe it's not a bad fight it's kind of like two, UFC 200 we're like oh I lost 400 thousand buys because McGregor's offered a 500 thousand whatever we're like oh sure that's crap but it's actually not crap it's actually really like Frank Edgar is fighting fucking Jose Aldo Cain Velasquez is fighting Travis Brown John Jones is fighting Daniel Cormier. Like, it's an unbelievable card. We kind of get drawn into these things. So, yeah, and, I agree. And I on that, Fintan LFC wants to know, who do you have winning the next title fights? Start with Cormier Jones. Uh, Jones, obviously. Aldo Edgar. I'm going kind to of go back and forth with this, but I'm going Aldo. I'm going At Edgar. At the moment, I can change that, though. But Tate and Nunez. Tate. 
Joanna and Claudia. Joanna. Dos Anjos and Alvarez. Who? Dos Anjos oh. and Alvarez. <laughs> Dos Anjos. Cruz our favour. Cruz. Rockhold Weidman. Rockhold. Rockhold. It's too soon for Weidman. I think Rockhold Weidman can beat Rockhold, but not now. Verdum or Stipe? Stipe. Well, there you go. go Stipe. Probably the most important question we've got culturally today. The soup mm-hmm. lad, Stormzy or JME? Who's the king of grime, Sean? I, I was looking, at, I don't Stormzy. know who JME is. Who is JME? No idea. <laughs> Stormzy's absolutely terrible. What? There's nothing, there's nothing worse than English rap music. Oh, no. Oh, my Disagree. God. Shit. Stormzy no is shit. Way. You like Stormzy, you're I terrible. Have to, I have to admit, I enjoy training to grime. We've got a, a chap from the from the gym his name's Donal he is a really good Spotify playlist that we all listen to when we're training and it's very good so did you put on a bit of Luke Kelly there <laughs> Luke Kelly for Jiu Jitsu no thank here's, you here's a question for you from Jackie Kassan Sean do you think uh, Conor McGregor will actually end up fighting Diaz or, or do you think this will be his next fight or do you think they'll opt for Aldo or Edgar or someone else so if you had to call it who do you think he's fighting next? I think it'll be a 145 defence next yeah, if you if you made me call it, put it on the line. Yeah, that's what it is. Is that okay for you? What about you? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. I... We'll we'll tie it into Barry Sullivan's question. Yeah, I'd if, say I'll go on and sell those. Ones. If the winner of the interim belt is medically suspended after two hundred, surely you can't keep Conor out for that long. Who? What happens him then? Yeah. Then maybe they go with the Diaz match. Yeah. Or Khabib, <laughs> as you were, as we were speculating it's, earlier it's, on. Like it's tough to know. There is a lot. You can't like. Do you leave McGregor sitting on the sidelines as well, but no promoting until UFC 200? Like you can't. Well, Connor you know. also said something about a uh, end of year title unification fight on social media the other day. Yeah, that's because so he wants maybe... to fight years. Oh yeah, fair. No, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I was I wasn't thinking that way at all. Um to end his suffering. Stephen Eo. Also, yes. Keen O'Connell wants to go to your man cave to watch a fight there. He can come, it's class. My man cave is the best. Uh, if Gunny pulls off the win against a dangerous opponent, where do you think we're gonna see him next? Same question for Siri. I know we kinda of touched on it earlier, but just for, for the record. Um yeah, I think I mentioned those names earlier with like the likes of Magni or yeah, not Magni maybe, but Gastelum and Gastelum's fighting Hendricks. I would like if if Conor Nelson won his fight, I wouldn't be surprised to see him fighting one of those guys. Maybe uh, who else is up there? You know, there's uh, Dong Young Kim, guys like that. Maybe. Couple of final questions here. Dan Stretch wants to know what odds are you going to give him for McGregor Diaz to headline two hundred two or two hundred three? He's thinking one to three. Uh, say that again, sorry. Dan Stretch, yeah. friend of the podcast. He wants to know what odds would you give him on McGregor Diaz to headline UFC 202 or 203? I would give him evens. Oh, he said 1 to 3. 1 to 3? Yeah. Um, I, I there you go. We've one from actually Jack, Jack Durgis as well, friend of the podcast via DM. Um, he, he asked a couple of questions, but his main one there is about MVP. Who would you like to see him match to 170 in the UFC? Carlos Condit. Be great. I obviously me. Or I'd Nick Diaz. Wonderboy. Imagine that Wonderboy fight. I think either <laughs> oh, of those yeah. guys. Either of those guys. Anderson either of them Silva. three. 
or Anderson Silva, yeah. Uh, well, Uriah Hall is going to eat their Anderson Silva anyway, so it's not going to okay. make a difference. It also sets up Jack O'Brien's question. Who wins between Khabib and Wonderboy at a catchweight? That's that's tough. Wonderboy is way bigger than Mike. Wonderboy is a big... Sean refuses to answer. <laughs> I'd say, I know, I know, I think Khabib would win. Oh! Get Nicky yeah. Milaj in here. Nicki Minaj even pound the alarm. Sean Sheehan's gone against Wonderboy. <sighs> no, fuck it, I got Wonderboy. Oh, there we go. He's back. Jack Turge asked another one. What's the most overrated fight of recent times? He said Lala and Conda, DC Gustafson. What do you think? Most overrated fight. Overrated fight? Yeah. I can't think off the top of my head, to be honest. I think... I don't know, was it overrated, but... Jet Jones DC fight that was not a good fight at all. No, but I don't. I don't know. The people say that was a good fight. You know what was actually um, those um, those Hendricks Lawler fights. They were over. Like, yeah, Johnny Hendricks isn't good. Like no, they weren't good fights at all. There was just loads of hand fighting and okay, you know, they were all right, but no. they're not right. fights you'll ever go back and watch again. Like you know, no, unless you had to. Um, a couple of final ones to finish us off here. Eric Stinton wants to know, could Leicester have done it in La Liga? No. No, definitely not. Because La Liga is, La Liga is too top-heavy. Like, Barcelona and Real Madrid are going to beat everyone um, easily. Like, Leicester, Leicester did it because they kind of won the war of attrition. That's what the Premier League is like. In, when Atletico Madrid win it, they're good enough to beat all of the other bottom teams as well, and then they kind of pick up points against the Real Madrids and 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 the Barcelona's. Like it's it's a different sort of thing. Like it it's easier, I think, for a lower team, lower kind of team to beat to win La Liga because it's easier to it's you know it's easy to be the third best team. And then just kind of eke out your way to the top. Like there isn't that big of a difference if you can beat all the shit teams. You know, you you can get over Barcelona and, and Real Madrid if you you know if you kind of eke it out. But in 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 England, you have all those like you've the six top teams, and then you've like Stoke down there. Stoke's are tough for everyone. Like you've like you know even like crap teams like Norwich and Sunderland and and Newcastle and stuff. They're all tough places to play like and tough to get wins at. And, you know, it's, it's unbelievable what they what they've done like. And then a two for one to finish off from the man who always kicks us off, Mr. Pudge. What are the odds on DJ moving to 135 before he breaks Anderson's record? And if when he breaks that record, will people ignore it due to the lack of competition, yet still forgetting that Silva beat Talis Ledis and Okami in his run too? Poor old Talis Ledis. Fucking hell. Okami was a good fighter as well. Didn't give some shit. Then both of them met Anderson Silva. Well, no, the Ledis one, uh, Silva took the piss, didn't he? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think... I think if he beats it, people will acknowledge him. I think people are starting to acknowledge him, right? but he's never going to get acknowledged in the way Anderson Silva did. You know, on the main, in kind of uh, okay, Anderson Silva's never never really mainstream, but he was more mainstream than Mighty Muscle ever be. You know, he's never going to get acknowledged that way. But I think the people in the know will will always acknowledge him. And finally, Sean, how long until Leicester get relegated? Probably next year. Two years time. Two years maybe. Yeah, gone like, to their this, heads. This is over now. Like people need to realize that this. If Kant is going to go to Man City, I, I, I'm almost 100% sure on that. Um, when he goes, they're screwed. They're actually screwed. Like, Mara's probably going to go to PSG or something like that, I reckon. Vardy will stay because he's old, but 
this team is going to get decimated now. This always happens with teams like that who, you know, come from nowhere. They're they're going to get absolutely decimated. Like it's it, this is over now. This it was a great year, but it's finished now. The song is over. I hope you enjoyed the music. Thank you for the music, the songs I'm singing. Thanks for all the joy you're bringing. You can live without it, I ask in all honesty. What would life be without a song or a dance? What are we so I say thank, thank you, you for, for the podcast for giving it to me. If you want to get in touch over the next seven days, then we have a multitude of ways for you to do that with us. We're over on Facebook, Severe MMA Pod. He's on Twitter at Sean Sheehan BA. I am at Andrew McGahan underscore. A full, comprehensive fight week coverage is coming to Severe MMA. Myself, Dave Fogarty, Pizzi Carroll, who will be taking selfies with every media member in sight. I've set him a challenge. He's mad for a selfie. He's been practicing the last couple of weeks. He says when he goes away, he doesn't get enough pictures with the other guys. He's going to do it this week. It's going to be a whirlwind. Uh, great stuff coming from Thursday onwards, I assume. No, Friday onwards. We're getting in there on Thursday Although, unfortunately, we have to spend a bit of time in Amsterdam before we go to Rotterdam, as we can't check in until later on. Pretty bummed out by that news. There isn't even anything you can do to pass the time in Amsterdam, so that's a bit of a shit one. We'll have to get the train a little bit uh, later on in the day. But aside from that, Sean, I'm looking forward to my little trip away. Fucking junkies. The whole lot of you. That's all you fucking are. Why? Neil Siri's dead right. Neil Siri dead right. Neil Siri was kicked out of a coffee shop in Amsterdam this morning because he went in looking for a 50 grand pouch of amber. Lift. That's what I heard. <laughs> that's that's See, the rumor. Uh, <laughs> Pete started sending him photos of food and I did as well on Snapchat. I was sending him a packet of twirls there last night. Snapchat, Neil Siri journey's way. Oh, just to be pricks. There you go. That's that's did what the Irish MMA media do. No, he didn't. Oh, I wonder. But he... I don't think he's seen it yet. He'll probably see it now and just reply, you fucking prick. Like, I yeah, can't, I was I can't wait to... Uh, well, look, that's that's the way that he does things, you know? Grand I'm man. amazed that he even has... I'd like to see him use the filters on Snapchat. Do yeah, he does I, the odd time when he's, when he's young lad and stuff. He's does he? Man. Yeah. There you go. A great man. The people's champ. As all... Look, look. This could be the big week. The biggest week of Neil Seary's career. You're going to find out this Saturday night. It is the main fight on UFC Fight Pass, the exclusive prelims. Neil Seary takes on... Can't even pronounce his first name. Haraguchi. What is it, Sean? Kyoji. Kyoji. Kyoji Haraguchi versus Neil Siri goes down this weekend at UFC Rotterdam. As I said, Severe will have full coverage and content from the Friday. And a big shout out, Sean, Justin, finally, to um, to this weekend uh, is the Irish BJJ Open. So the Irish Open, the biggest jiu-jitsu event in Ireland. Um, absolutely devastated that I will not be there to compete but first of all best luck to all my teammates and team towers that are competing and best luck to every single person that's competing as well it is going to be the biggest tournament ever held in Ireland it's like run wait till you hear this Sean this will be one for you now right it's being held in conjunction at a martial arts expo right where there's like K1 amateur MMA fights on the day loads of mad shit and they're charging a tenner into it Bad, is it? That is, the, like, well, you never have to pay into a jiu-jitsu tournament. 
Do you know mm. what I mean? And there's uproar about it on Facebook. Like, they're even giving out order. Oh yeah, completely. Like, why would like so, yeah. they they were trying to make it seem like a big thing that they're a part of the expo and then only revealed the other day actually yeah it's a tenner in and it's like oh well the organisers are making us doing it. No, they're not. Get another venue and have a competition somewhere else. Oh, you're giving out about it too, yeah. I yeah, I would not pay ten euro into a jiu-jitsu tournament, and I would not expect any of my friends or family to have to pay ten euro into a jiu-jitsu tournament either. It's an absolute disgrace. If it does go ahead, that's a bad, bad call. But anyway. Will my boy Keith Kavanagh be there? Uh, no, because it's a gi tournament. He right. may be there, but he, I don't know if he's competing. So wow. there we go. Um, aside from that, though, not taken away, best luck to everybody. If you're a fan of the podcast, if you're listening, go out, enjoy yourselves. Let us know how you do. Send us a tweet at Severe MMA Pod. Myself, Dave, will be kicking it. Um, eagerly refreshing Facebook to see the results of whoever is, uh, is winning those days I can't think of any much else crack Sean 4.36 now here on a lovely Tuesday afternoon what's your plans for the day? Uh, no plans really no plans cook up a few chops here bit of spud oh. a few, few mushrooms spud yeah, right. bit of, I have to uh, I'm going to pa- I'm going to pack Scrag. my bag I'm going to pack my bag mm. even though I'm not going until Thursday I just don't like doing it the day before I go so I'm going to go and get everything packed now. I'm also going to look like up the weather. What? It's not like you to be prepared for New man. Though. New man. New I'm man. Not, uh, I'm going to also check up the weather. See if it's shorts and tank top weather. Because if, if it is tank top weather, oh, you know God. exactly oh, what tank top God. is coming to Rotterdam. <laughs> Pizza Carl be throwing himself in the fucking rain or whatever. <laughs> <is there. laughs> I can't wait. To, I have three tank tops now. I'm actually just going to bring three tank tops for the week. Some prick you are. Three some tank prick. tops and a red and black check shirt. That's all mm. I need for my clothes. Like You'll have to wear them to Bama as well. I'm coming to Bama, by the way. Well, are if you? I get accreditation, yes. I'll I'm going to Bama next weekend as well. Oh, yes. I'm going to see Duke and Watt and Walsh. Because it's on the same weekend as the British Open. So it's on the night before, so I'll be able to check that oh, out. Yeah, Duke it's... Ma- yeah, Duke Ma- try to get, get, get Duke Ma- to ask to be put in the Irish card as well. I love a bit of Duke Ma- There you go. I will, surely. Um, but I suppose that's all the crack we have. Sean, until then. See you next week, everybody. <laughs>